This is Beyond the Farm Gate, a show where we shine a light on great Australian stories in agriculture. On the show, you'll hear from farmers who've survived challenges like fire, flood and drought, farmers who run innovative and unique agribusinesses, and farmers who are balancing work and family in rural Australia. You'll be inspired hearing their stories and pick up some insights along the way. I'm your host, Annie Herbert. Today I'm chatting with Claudia Kirby. Claudia is a farmer's daughter from the Western Australian Wheat Belt and an agricultural analyst for ProFarmer. Claudia is no stranger to the grain industry. She grew up around it, she studied it, and now works in it. In this episode, you'll hear how Claudia's passion for agriculture took her from the WA Wheat Belt to Kansas in the US, over to Victoria, and then across the ditch to New Zealand. How this year's harvest wrapped up, and what the next few months might hold for Australia's grain industry. Let's jump in. Hi, Claudia. Thanks for joining me today. Good to be with you, Annie. So first of all, are you able to tell me about your connection to agriculture and where that all began? Yeah, sure. So I grew up on a farm in the WA Wheat Belt in a town called Beacon, which is three and a half hours northeast of Perth. Had a great childhood growing up with my brother and sisters, loved getting home from school and helping out with the odd farm jobs, moving sheep and the sorts. Then it came to high school and had to move to the city to be a boarding student for five years. But that was great fun. It's like getting to live with all your friends like a second family. And then, yeah, I stayed in Perth and went on to university, but I still had that passion for agriculture. So decided to study a Bachelor of Science, majoring in agricultural science and geography at the University of Western Australia. So that was a great three years and met wonderful people, but still got back to the farm on the summer holidays and worked as a grain sampler for CBH during those summer months. As part of your degree, why geography? I just really enjoyed geography at high school. It was one of the subjects I did through to year 12. And I thought it would actually marry in quite well with agriculture. It has a lot of those spatial studies like mapping, which you see a lot of in the ag space at the moment with yield mapping and variable rates. So I just thought it would be a good combination. And yeah, I could do it as one of my majors in the Bachelor of Science. So it just worked out well in the end. I understand that while you're at university, you were lucky enough to head off overseas on exchange. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So that was a bit of a highlight of my time at university, going on exchange for six months to Kansas State University in America. So yeah, that was a great experience, kind of getting exposure to like agriculture in another country. So there was a lot more people studying agriculture as well over there and this real passion for the industry. So it was really exciting to see that different side of it. But it was also a bit of a challenge as well because, you know, they use bushels instead of tons. So doing all those conversions. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenge at time, a bit of a headache, but it's actually been pretty handy now because in my current role, I do a fair bit with grain futures markets and read a lot of American publications. So knowing all of their measurements has actually been pretty beneficial. And over there, we have our key commodities. What were the ones over there that you found? So it's quite interesting because I come from mainly like a wheat, barley, canola farm. Over there, they also have wheat, but also a lot of corn and soybeans. So a lot of the examples they would use in university was to do with, yeah, corn and soybeans. So it was a bit different and pretty cool to see how those crops are grown and just the differences between the Australian farming context and America, I suppose. That was another thing I was curious about was what were some of the other key differences you saw 
or experience between our ag industry and theirs over there? Yeah, I suppose being in Kansas, there's still a lot of young generation coming through farming there. So it's quite common for people to just go to university and go back on the farm. While I feel here, it's kind of split. You either kind of know you want to be on the farm, but then there's also that side of you can be in agriculture, but be in the city as well. So I think that was kind of a big difference. And also just in general, the universities over there are so different to ours. Here, the universities are kind of in the city. There, it's like they're college towns. So where I was, it was everything was based around the university. So it was a real kind of like community feel, everyone going to the university, which was, yeah, pretty cool experience. So after you did your exchange, came back, finished off uni, what happened next? Yeah, so finished off my degree and I thought, might as well do a seeding season with my parents back in Beacon. Yeah, did that for the seeding season. But yeah, I mustn't have planted the grain the right way up because I think that was one of our worst years that year. (laughs) So I packed up and I fled to the east and ended up in Melbourne and started in the grad program with Glencore Agriculture. So yeah, that was just a really great experience. Got to do rotations around different parts of the business. I mean, a really great learning experience and even got to spend a bit of time in New Zealand actually and learn how the grain industry works over there. Compared to Australia, New Zealand imports a lot of grain, so it's interesting to see the differences there. And then I came back from that and landed a role in the logistics team doing South Australia and New South Wales logistics. And this was kind of during the drought year, so there was a lot of interstate transport going on and very different to this last season where you've got a lot of tonnes going to the port for export. So, yeah, that was great three years that I had at Glencore there. What made you make the switch over to ProFarmer? Yeah, as I was working, just realised that I was quite interested in learning the data side, I suppose, of ag and learning kind of how to put pull together insights. And that's when I came across to work as an agricultural analyst with ProFarmer. So I get to work on different data sets each day and combine them with insights to help farmers make better decisions and inform the industry about the latest trends. So Claudia, for anyone that hasn't heard of ProFarmer before, what would be the elevator pitch? ProFarmer helps Aussie farmers and other people in the agricultural industry to make data-driven decisions because we pull together insights and analysis into the Aussie and offshore grain markets to help people understand the different trends and hopefully sell your grain at the right time at the best price. Yeah, awesome. We'll pop a link in the show notes to the ProFarmer website for anyone that's interested. But now on to the nitty-gritty, and I think that you've been affectionately referred to as the grain guru in the past. Harvest is wrapped up. Where did national grain production end up at? Yeah, I suppose just to start off, like, wow, what a year. We had record production across Australia and really excellent prices, so it's been a good one. Australian crop forecasters have national wheat at a record high of 37.3 million tonnes and barley also at a high of 13.3 and canola production at a massive 6.3 million tonnes. What's really interesting is that normally when there's a big crop in Australia, it's generally weighted to one side, either East States or WA. But this season we've seen uh, record wheat production in WA, Queensland. And at the moment, New South Wales is slightly under last season, but it's pretty safe to say that New South Wales will probably be a record as well with the amount of grain that people still have on farm and not in the official estimates. But even Vic and South Australia are above average. So plenty of supply around Australia this year for domestic and export use. And what about grain markets more broadly? What's been happening there? 
So I suppose I'll start off from a global perspective. At the moment, there is fairly tight supply for grain just due to poor production in the US and Canada this past season, which has really reduced the amount of wheat and canola available for export. And why we've kind of seen those high prices during our harvest period. But adding on to that, we've also got Russia with their export duties on wheat, barley and corn, which is constricting exports from there. So that's kind of a few factors there. But quality has also been a massive talking point due to the low hard stocks worldwide of wheat. So Australia has been able to benefit from this demand with strong pricing for those higher protein grades. Unfortunately, around 60 to 65% of the New South Wales crop was downgraded to feed due to harvest rainfall. But Vic and SA got really decent levels of hard grades. But overall, New South Wales, we are down a little bit on protein nationally in the end. And just one other point, like there's really robust global demand for feed stocks at the moment, and this is driven in large part by China. So Australian grain is a pretty hot commodity, so we're in a fairly good position. And this is a question without notice, so I do apologise. But what about back home around where you're from in Beacon? What's the season been like there? Look, it's been a great season. There was a few places that got a bit touched up by frost. So it's always hard when you go into the crop knowing what it could have been. But by and large, it's been a really good season. And with the above average pricing, it's really helped pull everything up. So everyone's fairly happy there. But obviously, with farming, there's always isolated parts that don't do so well. So yeah, definitely tough for those that got hit by frost or over in the eastern states in New South Wales getting downgraded to feed. It's still a bit of a bitter pill to swallow when you see where prices were for the higher grades and you end up with feed. But overall, it's been a very good season for most. You touched briefly on Russia before. The tension between Russia and Ukraine is a pretty hot topic at the moment. And without going too political, how do you see that having an impact on world wheat exports? Russia and Ukraine together account for about 30% of global wheat exports. So disruption to their supply chains would have international implications. Uncertainty in the Black Sea region is already seeing some Middle Eastern nations that are regular buyers of Russian wheat starting to look towards Australian wheat. So there is potential there for Australian origin wheat to get more attention. But at the end of the day, regardless of Russia and Ukraine, our exports will still be limited by our supply chains. So export slots are already pretty sold out. So it's not like we're going to have extra capacity that we can capitalize on all this extra demand. So I suppose the bottom line is any increase to international prices as a result of this will be good for Australian prices. But at the moment, we're still below parity with Chicago wheat futures. And we've seen that local prices aren't gaining that full upside because of big size of our crop. So it'll be one to monitor in the coming months, but with good prices at harvest time, many growers will already be fairly well sold, I'd say. So you mentioned canola's having a great year. Claudia, why are prices so high? Yeah, so I suppose it comes down to mainly that Canada just had a really, really poor year and their exports are way down. So different importers are going to have to look elsewhere uh, for that supply and Australia has been uh, the obvious choice. And growers kind of knew that this might be happening a bit, even off the back of the year prior when Europe didn't have a very good season. So decent amount of hectares were put in and then we've just seen record prices during harvest. You know, they did come off a little bit with some harvest selling pressure, but they're still well above values we've seen in previous years. 
I know in WA back when I was doing accumulation a couple of years ago, you know, $600 per tonne was a great price and we saw prices get over $1,000 per tonne. So very impressive prices and with the yields that people were getting, it's been a very good year for canola growers. We did have a listener that caught a whiff that you were coming on the show and they sent through a question for you and that is the future of the grain industry. Where do you see it heading in regards to developments in technology that could contribute to a reduction in carbon emissions? Yeah, so I think Australian farmers are fairly good at adapting to best practices and we're already leading the way in some of the ways we do things. So for example, no-till farming, a lot of other countries around the world are starting to pick up a bit more on that so you're not disturbing the soil as much and releasing carbon emissions that way. But I think in the future, it's really going to come down to what the carbon price is set at and how farmers will be able to benefit off that with carbon credits. And in terms of like machinery, I think it will come down to just improved efficiencies. So autonomy with machinery and also things like variable rate, if you're putting on less fertilizer and targeting it in the areas that the paddock needs it, those type of things I think will really be pushed in the next few years. And we're already seeing that here. So I think there are a few things. So harvest has just wrapped up as we've been talking about, but what might we expect for Australia's grain industry over the next six months or so? On the eastern coast, we've got the La Nina system at the moment. So with that, it usually brings wetter than usual conditions, which we've already seen with some good rainfall events setting up soil and moisture for the upcoming winter cropping season. From that perspective, it's looking already positive, but obviously there's a long way left still to go. But from kind of an offshore perspective, northern hemisphere crops are only going to start coming out of dormancy in a couple of months' time. And then we'll get a real sense of like their production, whether it's looking good or not. The US has been pretty dry, so that's a concern for their winter wheat. So if there's any big production shocks in the United States or Europe, Black Sea region, then we will see that flow into demand for Australian grain and then hopefully we'll see prices hold up into the next season. And I suppose just from a demand perspective, I've already talked about the Russia-Ukraine tensions and how that might impact wheat exports out of that region. And then we've got the continuing tensions with China, which means we're not exporting malt barley there. So that's going to be a continuing theme, I suppose, into the next season as well. So. Overall, we've got a fair bit of supply in Australia at the moment, but anything can change in a few months in farming. So we'll just have to wait and see what the next season looks like in a few months' time. So that's a bit of a forecast on grains. What about you, Claudia? You've done logistics. You're now doing data and insights. You've been over to the US, over to New Zealand, now based in Melbourne in Victoria. What's next for you? I'm really enjoying the data analyst type role. I really enjoy working with data and gathering insights and helping people make data-driven decisions. So pretty happy in that space at the moment. I suppose in terms of where I want to travel next, it would be nice to get into WA at some point through the border. So (laughs) maybe by Easter time and maybe I could help out dad for a week seeding or something, maybe plant the grain the right way up this time. (laughs) A chance for a do-over. Yeah, if he'll let me. (laughs) So to wrap up and a question that we do ask all of our guests on Beyond the Farm Gate is when you do eventually make it home, when you eventually are able to cross that border and help your parents out, what boots do you wear when you're on the farm? 
Well, I think there's a old purple pair of steel blue boots there that I uh, have worn in a bit. So I think I'll be taking off my RMs and putting them on. Blowing off the cobwebs and giving them a hand. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Claudia. It's been great to chat. Great to have a conversation with Yanni. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Rural Bank. Rural Bank supports the agribusiness community by providing financial services, knowledge and leadership for Australian farmers to grow. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links and other resources, we've added those to the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Annie Herbert and I'll chat to you next time.